afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on Jitsi and free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. And this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do it yourself health h-e-a-l-t-h your diy health.com there's all kinds of information there all the products we talk about are there uh, including the iteracare device which is featured prominently at the top of the home page and there's tons of information about that we got downloadable flyers brochures a link to a youtube playlist with over four, uh, 140 uh, videos talking about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world that have had fantastic life-changing results using these little things. And, uh, of course, there's a link to the dedicated website for the devices, which is going to have even more information, more testimonials, and the Order Now button. You just click that, follow the prompts. The price is $380 delivered to your door in the U.S., so if you're somewhere else, they've got different pricing for the rest of the world, depending on shipping and uh, VAT taxes and all that kind of stuff. But here in the U.S., it's $380. You, uh, when you get to the page that has just the amount box and the, rec- and the remarks box, you put 380 in the amount box and you put your name in the remarks box. And that way everything will uh, sync up. I'll know who sent the money so I know who to send the wand to. And... Uh, a good thing will happen so uh, it'll only take uh, roughly two days two to three days to get your wand from the time you place the order and um, everything will work out very nicely i'm sure you will enjoy it also while you're on the main website be sure and hit the radio shows tab and at the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm and there's almost uh, 1300 shows up there now i believe um, shareable via email and social media annotated as to what we talked about and uh, just have fun with that spread them all far and wide if you scroll down a little further you'll see the information on the shows we do when they're on and how you listen and at the bottom of the page is the link to the facebook page set up for the show as well as the telegram channel so there's all kinds of information there we encourage you to check it out have lots of fun the only thing you pay for is the products all the information is free all the replays are free just help yourself and just have a good time also, on the uh, main homepage below the uh, iTeraCare information, you'll see the information on the, um, oh goodness gracious, <laughs> uh, QTV or QStreaming, which is a great alternative to cable TV. If you if you watch TV, you're probably paying way too much. Uh, I was paying $120, $132 a month for basically 125 channels that just kept repeating over and over and over to make it look like I had a lot of selection. And uh, anytime I wanted, saw something I'd want to watch, I'd have to upgrade, which I didn't want to do. And uh, I recently switched to Q Streaming. It's got over 1,800 channels, including all the movies, 
sports, pay-per-view, all included for $59.99 a month. And uh, that's quite a deal. So I encourage you to uh, take advantage of that. Take a look at it. It works really well. You just need a high-speed internet connection, which most people have this day and age. And um, if you're going to watch on TV, you need an Amazon Fire Stick for about $30, $35. Bucks. It takes about 20 minutes to program. Uh, otherwise, uh, grab yourself a, uh, a laptop, a desktop, computer, tablet, or phone, and you can watch it all on just one on your browser. And um, you can stream up to five different devices at the same time. Pretty slick. And then lastly, uh, on the top of the links page, uh, you can find out about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is the only Christian conservative mobile phone provider on uh, in the U.S. that I'm aware of. They've got great service. Uh, they utilize the top uh, national networks. And uh, the best part is they only contribute to Christian conservative causes. So if you're worried about your money going to liberal things that you don't want to support, then switch from wherever you are now to Patriot Mobile. And if you use the referral code, which is on the uh, website, but it's 1133762. Again, 1133762. And again, that is on the uh, uh, links page of my website. Uh, you will do the show a favor and uh, help support our show. So uh, check it out, Patriot Mobile. That's PatriotMobile.com. All righty then. Let's see here. I'm gonna set things up for tomorrow. And good grief, this month is almost over. Hard to believe such a deal all righty then um in keeping with what we uh, kind of did yesterday we watched a video put out by um uh, epic times that was dealing with the uh, what i would consider to be a travesty of trans I don't know what you want to call it, but basically it's the mutilation of kids. You get these kids that are so screwed up in their childhood due to lack of nutrition, lack of good uh, uh, food and water and that kind of thing. Their minds get messed up, and then they go to public schools where they are groomed into thinking that they can change their sex. You know, they call it gender, but gender has to do with language, masculine and feminine. There are two genders masculine and feminine there are two sexes male and female and regardless of what the idiots at the school are telling you between your teachers the uh, psychologists and all the rest they're all engaging in a um, agenda of messing up the hearts and minds of our young people and getting them so screwed up and and depressed that they think that they uh, are a man entrapped in a woman's body or a woman entrapped in a man's body and they think that they can change it that cannot be done it never works and regardless of what you are masquerading as you will always be a male or female depending on how you were born or conceived i should say but anyway um now we have a situation where the military <laughs> Viral video details U.S. Air Force transgender military clinic in Texas. Airman describes process of her gender transition while serving. 
The confidential uh, Pentagon memo recently put the existence of a transgender U.S. Army clinic in North Carolina on the map. Now, a viral TikTok video has disclosed a similar U.S. Air Force clinic deep in the heart of Texas. The video of transgender Airman Emmett uh, highlighted the libs of TikTok this month, describing the process of transaction or transitioning uh, attracted almost 3 million views. During the video, the woman described her visit to the Air Force's transgender clinic in San Antonio to begin taking male hormones. With elevator music playing in the background, Emmett said airmen wishing to transition meet with their health providers who put together a packet and send them to the Texas clinic. Back in May, when I had my initial meeting with with my mental health provider, they said it was medically necessary for me to transition. See what's going on here? The educational system, or I should say the indoctrinational system, and the uh, Big Pharma and the American Murder Association are all in cahoots to sucker people into thinking that they can change their sex. They cannot. No matter what kind of mutilation surgery you do to your body, it will not change your, your genetic makeup. You are, you are conceived a male or a female, and you will die a male or a female, regardless of what you do taking drugs, hormones, and surgery. Anyway, my healthcare mental health provider said that uh, it was medically necessary for me to transition, Emmett said. By the time you get to the clinic, things move fast. Revealing the risk of America's transgender soldiers, Darlene Sanchez, on the serious side effects. And here's uh, Joshua Phillips of Crossroads on uh, Epic Times discussing this. And so Oops, if somehow, you had to second. have this thing advanced to halfway through the show or the video here. The U.S. Armed Forces have been releasing stories about the new American soldier, the transgenders. They're no longer about fighting wars. They're about stopping stereotypes. But is this actually a good policy for the U.S. military to get behind? What's the cost of taxpayers? And given that some of them have openly stated their suicidal tendencies, are they actually medically fit to serve? Well, here to speak with us about this is Epoch Times reporter Darlene McCormick-Sanchez. Hey, Darlene, thanks for being on Crossroads. Hi, Josh. Thank you for having me. So you did a story. The, re- the military recently pushed out their own story about a transgender soldier, and they claim this individual was saved from suicidal thoughts through a gender change. And, you know, I was under the impression that suicidal tendencies were considered a risk in the military. So, I mean, what, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Well, the story I did, Josh, was, you know, kind of addressing that. There is a neuropsychologist in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, by the name of Alan Hopewell, and he served in the military, uh, and he's also treated transgender uh, uh, people, uh, people suffering from gender dysphoria um, back in the 70s, actually, is when he started doing that. And, um, you know, for him, it's a concern. He says that there is that possibility when you're on hormones that you be- you could become more aggressive. Um, and that, on top of the stress of being, you know, deployed, you know, could really be a problem. And he, he thinks that there is going to be a retention problem and a military readiness problem for some of these transgender soldiers. 
Well, you know, that, that was a big question I've seen a lot of people have with transgender surgeries and the types of hormones they give people. Uh, when it comes to the school shootings, for example, we've seen several individuals who were on this medication and there were some public concerns being raised over did the medications have a part to play in that? Is it like roid rage they're getting essentially? What do we know about the science of how these things affect people's temperaments? Well, um, what um, Mr. Hopewell told me was that, you know, even when you start taking the, um, before the cross-sex hormones, before that, and you go on um, puberty blockers, that that actually starts affecting your brain, the way your brain is wired and the way it functions. So, I mean, you have that combined with people that could have other mental illnesses there, such as anxiety, depression, even bipolarism. Um, so, you know, for him, I think he was very, you know, dubious about this whole thing. You know, you've got people that have a tendency to to be high on the suicide rate anyway, you know, transgender uh, people, regardless whether they're soldiers or not. There was a recent study that just came out, a Danish study that was in the story, you know, uh, June 27th, I believe it came out, or at least it, it hit the you know, the medical journals talking about this very thing, what a high um, rate of mortality they had, you know, all the way around. So it is very concerning, I think. Yeah, well, and that ties in, of course, the questions around the war fighting capabilities of our troops, because in addition to this, there were also some reports recently that the, that the military, the U.S. Armed Forces, they were getting rid of some of the uh, things that would disqualify you for service such as various mental health issues. And I, I'm curious if it came up on the, I, I think nature of the readiness of our military and the stability, more importantly, of our military as of course they're going to, you know, really, as you mentioned, high stress environments oftentimes. Yes, I mean, you know, it, it really, if you think about it, common sense would tell you that this could definitely be a problem. And what, um, you know, Mr. Hopo said was that they have not really studied this. They haven't studied the effects of this medication and how, it, how they would even be able to administer it and what type of specific needs somebody who'd underwent gender um, changing surgery, for example, might need out in the field. He said, it is bare bones out there. You know, there's, there's nothing fancy out in the field. So it, in order to be deployed, he said, you have to be able to be treated by basically a, a general practitioner or, you know, someone working under a general practitioner. No specialized care whatsoever out there. Well, explain that. You, you mean that transgender individuals who go to the battlefield would need some kind of ongoing care that they probably could not get at that time? He seems to think so, yes. And if you, if you think about it, if it's just a situation where he said not everybody you know, may have a problem. It could be possible for some to serve. But he said, you know, if you think about it, if you go through and you're having, um, you're on hormones, that could affect your mental stability, um, especially if you're under stress and you already have mental issues, um, you know, going with your transgenderism. Um, and on top of that, if you have had surgeries, um, you may need medication to help you deal with some of those surgeries. And so if you had to have specialized care, which there have been people who testified here in Texas, for example, when they were going over laws to ban transgender, um, transgender surgeries and hormones for children, um, you know, he, he was talking about he was there 
and he testified himself. And there was somebody there who said, I can't get the care I need here. You know, whenever I go to the regular doctor, they keep sending me to specialists. So he's like, how's that going to work in, you know, a, a combat situation? It won't. Well, and, and what does that mean in terms of, you know, it used to be that this would make you unfit to serve. And that was the phrase they would use. You're unfit to serve. You can't enlist. I understand they changed some of those rules, but you know, would that would these things normally make our troops unfit to serve? I would say, based on what Mr. Um, Hopewell told me, I would say yes, because any type of um, I shouldn't say any type of mental illness. The way he described it to me was, for example, if you were stable, and let's say that you have, you can't disqualify everybody who had anxiety, for example, in our population from serving, or who had some sort of depression. For example, of serving in the military, you know, you'd wipe out a whole bunch of people. It has to be somebody, though, that doesn't have a severe issue and that is stable, that's been on medication, you know, tried and true medications for years and are stable when they go in there. But, you know, you're dealing with something that really doesn't have that long of a track record. You know, you're giving people massive doses of hormones and putting them out in a theater where, you know, other troops rely upon them for their own safety and for defense. You know, you're a tight-knit unit. You have to rely upon your fellow soldier. And so if that person becomes mentally unstable, you know, you can imagine what what kind of disaster that might create. Well, another question is, are are we as taxpayers paying for their surgeries? I mean, where does the money come from for these things? It is taxpayer money, yes. Um... The VA is another issue. They have, um, the head of the VA now under the Biden administration has said that he wants the VA to uh, provide these surgeries. Um, he's looking at that. The final ruling on that, he has not you know, signed off on. Um, apparently there's been some pushback in Congress you know, from the Republicans um, saying they don't wanna fund this. They don't wanna send taxpayer money you know, down that line. Um, that should be going towards, you know, regular services in in the VA. At least that, you know, that's their stance on it. So yes, it does cost, and there's been millions already spent on psychological um, care for people who are gender dysphoria, dysphoric. I think about 11, 11.6 million from 2016 to 2021, just on on you know psychological care alone, and then another three about three and a half million on hormones and um, surgeries in that same time period. But this was only for maybe about 600 soldiers. So yeah, that- well, and as we know, it, it seems to be almost like, a, almost like a social contagion as we look at how it's spreading through the schools. And we can assume that once it's promoted, even more people get on board with it. Does that actually come out of the defense budget? Like, where does that money come from? Is it a separate budget or is that a defense budget? My understanding is it is, um, well, the VA budget would be different, but yes, there is medical, um, my understanding is that the medical part of this, you know, treating soldiers would be under the Department of Defense. Wow, geez. Well, you know, I guess uh, just big picture now, I mean, why should people care about this? If, If, you know, of course you did a lot of research on it, you talked to a lot of people. To you, what is the biggest public concern with this issue of, again, transgender soldiers and the military opening the doors to this? I think that to me, the main issue is one of safety and military readiness. I mean, you can imagine um, being out in the field, you know, I've not served in the military myself. You know, I've had, um, you know, family members um, who've served, but 
you can imagine being in that high stress situation and wanting to or needing to rely upon somebody else for your very life at times. And then if that person becomes unstable, um, you know, because of medication mix or because of mental instability, I mean, to me, that is the major thing. It puts a seed of doubt in your mind when you have to serve with someone like that, I believe. I think it would be very difficult uh, because you'd always be thinking to yourself, is this guy going to, or girl, uh, woman, uh, going to, you know, withstand this pressure and be there for the unit when that person is needed? Darlene McCormick-Sanchez, thank you so much for being on Crossroads. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, that brings up some questions. <laughs> uh, continuing with the article was uh, Emmett <laughs> said, I should be on hormones within a couple of weeks, she gushed in the video, which is insane. I've been dreaming about this moment. According to the Air Force, the trans airman described, op uh, described operates under the 59th Medical Wing at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland. Emmett said they put airmen on temporary duty while at the clinic where they meet with a team of endocrinologists, nutritionists, surgeons, and others who put together a treatment plan for hormones and surgeries. She then talked about taking the next step to get a letter recommending top surgery, which is removing both breasts. Emmett discussed getting exceptions to the policy allowing her to wear male uniforms and go to the men's restroom. Oh boy. The San Antonio Clinic was operational before 2021. It offers cross-sex hormones, mental health services, speech therapy, and surgical consultation according to the website. In July, a con uh, confidential Pentagon memo, memo dated February 1st discussed the type of uh, services soldiers could access. And it shows, of course, we have Richard Levine, a transgender nominee for Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, testifies before his confirmation hearing of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee in Washington, D.C. on February 25th, 2021. That is one ugly dude. <laughs> Man. The 34-page Department of Defense document first reported by the dossier uh, estimated it could take 9 to 18 months to complete a gender transition. All the while, they're on the U.S. military payroll, being all paid for by the U.S. taxpayers. Absolutely disgusting. Makes me glad I don't pay income taxes. I wouldn't want to support this kind of crap. Ugh. Well, let's see here. Let's see what this says. Uh, exposing the dark underbelly of transgender surgery. With this thing to play. We think we're doing something good for the children, taking care of them. But when you see what's actually happening, it's not good in the long run. Many research uh, investigations that are made here in the US uh, are actually uh, quite short term and they are not like, it's not verified science. It's, it's not made in a, in a true scientific manner, like following up, making it like a long term study. Actually, the, the long term studies are actually found in Sweden. And when you look at those, you see a completely different picture of it. So it's actually, you know, very damaging to, to children. And actually, it's a higher risk that they co commit suicide if they start to transition and, and change the gender 
than if not. So, and that's not, you know, mentioned in the US. Yeah. <laughs> and it showed there a uh, video clip from yesterday's video where the young lady was in the middle of taking the uh, hormones and uh, got so depressed and despondent she stepped in front of a moving a locomotive and became ground beef. The North Carolina Clinic offers transgender soldiers mental health care, hormones, genital surgeries, mastectomies, and breast implants, and voice therapy, according to the memo. Transgender soldiers could undergo various surgeries after taking hormones for 12 months, according to the memo. The memo discussed delaying deployment for up to 300 days for transgender soldiers using cross-sex hormones during their transition, which critics say illustrates the serious issues surrounding al allowing transgender individuals to serve. It called the delay in deployment necessary so the transgender soldier could stabilize while taking hormones. If they're doing that stuff, they're unfit to serve. I'm sorry. That's all there is to it. Alan Hopewell, a neuropsychologist in Fort Worth, Texas, is in the unique position of having served in the military for 28 years and having treated those with gender dysphoria, confusion, and distress over biological sex. Mr. Hopewell has sounded the alarm surrounding the impact cross-sex hormones have on the transgender soldiers who frequently suffer from other mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Combine those factors with the stress of combat could create a volatile mix, Mr. Hopewell told the Epic Times. Transgender soldiers frequently see specialists such as endocrinologists, which wouldn't be available in a field of combat, he pointed out. Their medical and mental health issues make it unlikely that they will be retained for long in the military, he said, adding that the taxpayer may see little benefit from the expense of medical transitioning. Under the Biden abomination, the military changed its rules in 2021 to allow those with gender dysphoria to serve. Yet another disgusting thing that schmuck has done to this country. Some military officials have dismissed medication and service concerns surrounding transgender soldiers, saying the military should not discriminate. <clears throat> Bull crap. They should be some of the most discriminating organizations in the world. <sighs> the military's objective is to kill people and break things, not help people switch over and wear high heels and fluffy dresses and purple wigs and whatever else these muckety mucks do. An article on the Texas Clinic's website in 2021 described President Joe o Biden order allowing transgender in the military to serve openly further strengthened the San Antonio Clinic. Absolutely disgusting. The article quoted Sherry McMahon, a licensed clinical social worker, saying that treatment could get started after service members were diagnosed with gender dysphoria. What should happen after they're diagnosed with gender dysphoria is they should be immediately discharged with less than honorable uh, conditions. This is an opportunity for transgender service members to really develop a peer group of other transgender service members and provide support along the way, she said. No, absolutely not. We want them to be able to build that connection 
and walk with each other through the process. You can do that on your own in civilian life. The article states that clinic providers are available through virtual health for hormone therapy and mental health appointments if services are unavailable locally. Ms. McMahon said in the article she enjoyed seeing the progression of people as they transition. Oh, good grief. She's probably one, too. Being able to see them when they come back and they're able to live fully in their affirmed gender, they still have an underlying mental condition that is never going to improve based on what they're doing. They're just happier, she said. They're healthier. I don't think so. And being able to see the impact of how assisting them on their journey has really helped them thrive is amazing, she added. Good grief. I'm surprised they didn't show the uh, so-called viral TikTok video. (laughs) But you talk about something that threatens mission readiness. This is absolutely unbelievable. And this shows you what happens when you put an absolute nut job in the White House. God help us if we ever really elect somebody to that position like that. You know, he stole his way in, but God, we're going to know what's, know what's going to happen now. Well, but, we know Obama's running stuff from behind the scenes. Really. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's why I call him O'Biden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. This is unbelievable. But luckily, there's uh, some good things coming up on the same area. British rowing bans transgender women or guys from female competitions. That's good. North Carolina legislature overrides Democratic governor's vetoes of transgender bills. That's good. Transgender training is coming to your schools. (laughs) Sounds like it's already here from what we're seeing. More than four years ago, four years into the controversial tenure, California Superintendent of Public Instruction, (laughs) Indoctrination, Tony Thurmond, and a number of Democratic legislatures have endorsed a number of bizarre ideas to force feed into our taxpayer-funded public indoctrination centers. Mr. Thurmond has promoted Pride Month and permitted school libraries to stock LGBT wxyz square root of three books that common sense folks would deem inappropriate he has allowed debunked history such as the 1619 project and a people's history of the united states to be taught in the schools he has also endorsed tribalistic critical race theory and diversity equity and inclusion as if the United States isn't already one of the most diverse nations on earth. These ideas suggest that all ethnic minority students are victims rather than shapers of their own destinies and need special favors to succeed. This obsession with ethnicity and race conveniently uh, ignores that that the United States is a land of systemic opportunity wherein everyone is equal under the law. California leaders constantly talk about defending demonocracy, yet their version of demonocracy includes parents and school districts. According to the Washington Free Beacon, Mr. Thurman has recently supported a legislative proposal to mandate LGBT training for public school teachers 
organizations such as Human Rights Campaign Foundation and the Trevor Project would create the Orwellian training curriculum. Supposedly, this training would help teachers protect a portion of the, device, the diverse student population who might feel marginalized. Has Mr. Thurman forgotten that the role of education is for students to develop critical thinking skills and learn valuable character traits? Well, that hasn't been done in this country for probably the last three or four decades. <laughs> Were parents consulted about this ludicrous proposal? <laughs> Guaranteed it wasn't. Has Mr. Thurman ignored the fact that students belong to parents and not the state? Oh, not under their conditions. We already got judges that have ruled the opposite. Strong-arming students or teachers to confront sensitive sexual topics should not be the domain of the public education system. It's common knowledge that young people don't produce many of these ideas related to preferred pronouns, intersex drugs, puberty blockers, and radical surgeries. They are confronted, uh, excuse me, they're confused enough with the process of growing up and could do without further stimulus overload from authority figures and social media platforms. Indeed, unscrupulous online influencers promote these off-the-wall pseudoscientific concepts because they will never have to endure the mental and spiritual suffering associated with transitioning. These elites are solely concerned with money and power, and have no concern as to how many youngsters are permanently damaged by a process that defies morals and natural law. Unfortunately, state education officials are attempting to create a wedge between parents and their children, yeah, we talked about that yesterday, by creating top-down edicts that usurp local control in education. These bureaucrats are indoctrinating students instead of encouraging the schools to teach a class, classical education that focuses on character rather than ethnicity, gender, and race. Since state test scores are underwater, teaching computing, reading, and writing would be a good start, along with the healthy study of biological male and female differences. Let's see here. Oh, there we go. Now, in a time for parents to, be, to say in form, seize the bullhorn and demand that public schools stop wasting their tax dollars on oddball courses that coddle students and, prepare, and fail to prepare them for the real world, exacting standards, standards in STEAM subjects, uh, objective history, and literature need to be restored so that students can learn how to become productive citizens who love their country and want to make it better. Terminating gender-neutral bathrooms and locker rooms should also be on the checklist of sound education. Fortunately, there are several examples of positive stories in California's education environment. The numbers of charter, private, and religious schools are increasing across the landscape. According to the Orange County Register, the Placenta, oh, Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District is discussing a plan to start the first charter school in the district in time for the 24-25 school year. It would be called the California Republic Leadership Academy, ooh, or CARLA, C-R-L-A, <laughs> which uh, already has a character of the same name that will, um, a charter, excuse me, of the same name that will begin operation next month in San Juan Capistrano. Another char uh, char charter, excuse me, the Orange County Classical Academy, 
is also good news for parents who favor school choice and school competition. Some charters offer an education similar to the traditional education that has been offered by Hillsdale College since 1843. Others use the Franklin Covey model of successful habits and development character-driven citizens who are responsible leaders. CRLA would not allow cell phones, and students are inspired to carry out what is known as virtuous reading. This consists of informal or pleasure reading outside the school assignments, which encourages lifelong learning. Finally, one would hope that with all the problems plaguing the public schools, state leaders would focus on a rigorous traditional education, but many appear to be tone deaf. They oppose competition in education and are beholden to union power brokers. They have given in to the woke apparatus, but their wokeness is sleepwalking towards Marxist socialism. I don't think it's sleepwalking. I think it's a uh, sprinting. (laughs) Good grief. Thank goodness there are other ones, but, you know, I still say homeschooling is the real solution. There was another one I saw in here. I wonder, maybe it was in one of the other. Transgender cyclist wins female race to stir controversy, of course. Uh, probably by several hours. <laughs> Bud Light Company selling off eight beer brands amid transgender boycott. They still need to shut them down. Louisiana bans transgender procedures for children after lawmakers overturned governor's veto. Good. Bud Light sales tank over July 4th holiday amid transgender backlash. Yahoo. Case of transgender nudity embarrasses the White House. (laughs) Okay. Case of Crisis of Masculinity. Let's see what this little thing says. We may not watch the whole thing. Good evening, and welcome to Counterculture with Danielle D'Souza Gill. The culture's gone crazy, media's gone mad, and reason has become repugnant. Here, we focus on facts and how to fight back. Tonight, we'll be discussing the crisis of masculinity in America. We'll also discuss how the left is attacking our children through gender dysphoria. We'll speak with social media strategist Kingsley Cortez about this issue. In April this year, toy company Hasbro announced two new waves of toys into their Indiana Jones and Star Wars lineups. These toys range in price from $17 to over $70, and the majority of which are from Hasbro Pulse, a division of the toy company dedicated to making toys not for children, but for adults. This is not a new thing. Market analysts have been watching the growth of the toy market to include what they call kid adults for several years now. The phrase has morphed into the term kid ults, which, as of Christmas 2022, counts for a quarter of all toy sales. There are other trends that point to a developing crisis. In 2021, the Wall Street Journal reported that men are no longer going to college. According to the journal, quote, At the close of the 2020 to 2021 academic year, women made up 59.5% of college students, an all-time high, and men only 40.5%, according to enrollment data from the National Student Clearinghouse, a nonprofit research group. 
U.S. colleges and universities had 1.5 million fewer students compared with five years ago, and men accounted for 71% of the decline. As college increasingly becomes a female rite of passage, that has impacted the marriage rate among millennials and Gen Zers. It seems the younger you are, the less likely you are to get married nowadays. Some experts attribute this to women choosing to focus on career over family. Clarissa Sawyer, a gender psychology teacher at the private business school Bentley University, she says, quote, women around the world are getting married later, and part of that is because women are getting more educated and investing in their careers. They've invested a lot of time and money into college, so they're getting a job and delaying marriage, if not opting out completely, end quote. The only other way for a woman to recoup the cost of a college education would have been to use their time at college to find an ideal, educated male who would take them as a partner. Working together, either as a dual-income household or as a stay-at-home housewife, would ensure a more efficient use of resources and a quicker elimination of that college debt. But if men aren't going to college, then that more traditional option is taken off the table and less people are meeting in college. It's enough to make you wonder to what degree women are exercising their own volition when they choose to continue life as an office drone while writing off the very possibility of getting married in the future. It's not hard to see that all of these trends, the advent of the kidult, men abandoning university, and women abandoning marriage, are related. Each has to do with the systematic destruction of the concept of masculinity and the role of men in the world. Those toys for kidults? Notice they aren't girl toys. Action figures and transforming robots with guns and laser swords. Peruse the Hasbro Pulse website all day and you'll never find a girl toy. Not to mention the rise of video games. The kidult isn't a phenomenon that includes female consumers. It's all about getting grown adult men to regress into children. A process known as neotenization. Then we have men abandoning higher education, which seems to be what's causing women to abandon marriage and family. If educated women do not have a partner at their level, then they feel like there are no options. But why? Kathleen Parker, who wrote Save the Males in 2008, believes this is the result of growing intolerance for men. She says, quote, We're merely seeing the culmination of 50 years of feminist advances combined with economic shifts that have left men unemployed and socially sidelined. Early warning signs were clear in the 1990s when men began organizing. A disconsonant concept, I admit, around grievances about divorce and subsequent custody battles. Fathers were feeling increasingly displaced by child custody battles and the like, and these arrangements were often very unfair and repurposed fathers as weekend visitors in their children's lives. It doesn't take much foresight to understand how these trends are negatively impacting society and how they could lead to the complete dissolution of our country and also our family structure. To the average Hasbro executive, the idea of a country without families might seem like a dream come true, especially for selling their toys. But once your IQ reaches room temperature range, it's fairly easy to see the consequences. No families means no more children. And no children means no future generations to buy toys that are actually for kids, and no matter what age. Who would have thought that the herald of our doom would come in the form of a tubby recluse hoarding action figures all alone in his room flat? 
the proper response to this sad state of affairs is to embrace the countercultural and encourage men to be men and flourish in their masculinity, while also encouraging women to be women and flourish in their femininity. One person who is trying to address this issue is Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, who wrote the book Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Hawley rightly sees the sidelining of masculinity as a threat to the functioning of our republic. Polite society needs people of both strength and virtue. Hawley has been outspoken on the issue for some years now, and the reaction to his thesis from the left has been all too revealing. In 2021, NPR offered a counterpoint by inviting the opinion of a gender studies professor who wrote a book titled Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation. After citing paternity leave as one of the ways liberals advance the cause of men in society, the article quickly devolves into an exercise of excoriating Holly as a leader of the white Christian nationalist movement. A review of his book in The Guardian criticized Holly for taking a dim view of Rousseau and Marx, as well as the dehumanizing philosophy of utilitarianism. Here again, we see the leftist cope. Never acknowledge the premise of an argument or engage in actual debate. Simply seethe as you launch a litany of hot takes and ad hominem attacks. Despite the fact that this attempt to purge society of masculinity is evident all around us, the last thing Holly's critics would do is agree with what they can plainly see with their own eyes. Whether this obfuscation is intentional, because the left wants to avoid being held responsible for causing it in the first place, or because they want to perpetuate this destructive trend and continue it, it's at the heart of their, of their ideology. There's no avoiding that the left itself sees the death of masculinity as a necessary goal of their own philosophy. There's a certain kind of irony in the fact that in acting to protect their utopian project from this criticism, the left engages in rhetorical brute force. It's a clumsy attempt to resort to strength in the defense of their crumbling ideology. Perhaps if they actually read Holly's book, they'd have a better understanding of how a masculine trait like strength can protect that which is worth saving. Kingsley, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danielle. It's great to be here. Of course. Well, congratulations on your new role. Tell us a little bit about um, your background and what you're up to. Absolutely. So I'm currently working at the Center for Renewing America, which is a think tank here in Washington, D.C. We're based right by Capitol Hill. And what I'm doing is basically just cranking out content on all of our social media platforms. We're everywhere. You can find us on Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. So please check us out. It's at AM Renew CTR for Center. And give us a follow. We're putting out great stuff that will keep you up to date on what is going on here in the D.C. swamp, how you can fight back and get involved. Oh, well, thank you, Kingsley. Well, I want to get your reaction to some different things going on on social media because you are a social media expert and things have just gone so crazy. I feel like all the time when I'm scrolling Twitter or Truth Social or something, I see all of these crazy stories and um, especially things on uh, weird things going on with trans and um, weird books that they're showing children with with trans imagery and and other and other things like that. So I wanted to kind of go through a few things with you. So firstly, I was wondering what your reaction was to um, a trans activist at the White House that Joe Biden invited to this LGBTQ 
plus party basically to celebrate that. And he was saying he's, you know, super in favor of, of all of this. And um, I guess one of the activists decided to um, take their top off, take their dress down. And this male who has some kind of like breasts, I guess, um, <laughs> was exposing them and um, with other shirtless men. So um, I, I, I guess that was something they thought was appropriate to do at the White House. And then the um, White House came out distancing themselves from this, saying this doesn't represent um, them and what should happen at the White House. So I was kind of surprised by that because I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting because they're trying to be so pro-LGBTQ+. Plus, but at the same time, realize that this just looks so bad and probably so many Americans who see that video and the pictures are thinking, wait, like, why are you taking your clothes off at the White House, the place of dig dignity? There should be a place of dignity. So, um, yeah, what was your reaction to seeing that? And why do you think the White House took that position? I mean, I think it was incredibly disrespectful, right? This is the people's house. This is a place that should be honored and respected. And of course, as the Biden administration so frequently does, they were elevating degeneracy and cultural rot when they had this event at the people's house. And I am encouraged, certainly, to see them condemn, you know, the nudity that was on display. But I think it's important for us as conservatives to point out that by elevating this entire LGBTQI, you know, plus there are so many letters now, it's almost hard to keep track. But by, you know, encouraging and celebrating and promoting this movement, especially to young children, even if you condemn, you know, select events of nudity like we saw at the White House just the other day, this is something that is endemic within this movement. I live here in Washington, D.C., and I can tell you, you know, I walked past the Pride Parade that happened this past weekend. There were children present. There were there was tons of nudity, tons of degeneracy and depravity all around for all of the eyes to see. And I think that it's sick and it's twisted. And the way that this movement is preying on children is really something that we need to fight against and stand up against. Because children, as you know, they should, don't have a concept of their sexual selves until they reach puberty. That's very normal. Um, and protecting that childhood innocence, that period in their lives, should be so important for us as parents, as communities, and as a nation. But sadly, what the radical left is doing is preying on that period in a child's life where they are imaginative and creative and growing and learning. And they're twisting it into something that is confusing, immoral, and it's just wholly wrong. So of course, I'm glad to see the Biden administration say there should no be, no, be no nudity in the White House. But let's be honest, that's a very low bar. We should be shooting higher. We should be encouraging you know, pro-family policies that protect our children um, and protect against this just radical gender cult that's taking really aim at these kids in our schools, um, in Hollywood, in the media, all across the nation. Right. I think it's just going to be so difficult for Democrats to walk some kind of line on this issue because it's such a radical issue and the, the stance that they take is so extreme. Yet at the same time, they want to win swing voters and suburban moms and people like that. And so I think it's just crazy when they try to paint us as the ones who aren't going to reach the swing voters some somehow, as if, you know, 
someone who's like MAGA, like myself or you, would be too extreme when their views are so extreme. Um, I wanted to get your reaction also to this video. This is a person who is um, a woman. She unfortunately transitioned, became um, man-esque. I'm not going to say this person's a man, but basically underwent a lot of um, traumatic events and has this regret about becoming trans, it seems, because this this person's crying, this person's saying that um, they don't get the kind of the emotional fulfillment that they'd expect from other women and feel like when um, they cross the street, other people kind of walk away from them, things like that. And I think people don't realize how men are treated in society because, yeah, you know, maybe if you or I are walking alone in a, in a certain area and there's a man on the street, maybe you cross the street because not because you're dislike him, but because it's just, you know, that that's a stronger person than you are. And unfortunately there's crime out there, but I think this person was expecting that they could be feminine in terms of their emotions and all these things yet somehow be a man on the outside. But internally this person is still a woman and has female brain. I mean, there are so many things that, that are different between men and women, aside from just changing your biology or taking hormonal medication. Um, and so it's really sad. This person's like crying and, and experiencing these things. Um, what's kind of your reaction when you see people who go through something like that and then experience some of that emotional pain from that decision? Nobody told me how lonely being a man is I had closer friendships with random women I met in the bathroom before I transitioned at clubs because of how open women are than I've had in my eight years of transitioning. Right. I mean, I think it's heartbreaking and I think that you're correct to point out that there are innate biological differences between males and females that cannot be altered. Right. We're having, you know, big pharma say, if you take these drugs, it will make you into a woman or make you into a man. But the reality is, you know, being feminine or being masculine is so much deeper, so much, I would argue, more spiritual than just, you know, putting on lipstick and throwing on a dress and heels. Right. That doesn't make you truly a woman. Um, and like you said, you know, there are differences that can't be surgically altered, right? The brain is different for males and females. You're either, you know, XX or XY. There's no way to ch fundamentally change, you know, your chromosome in every single cell in your body. That's just totally unfeasible. So what you're having is these surgeries are creating either feminized men or very masculine women, it's leading to even more confusion. I would argue that's why the transgender suicide rate is so much higher than the national average. It's shockingly high at 40%. Um, I think that these people are hurting, right? Because they're not accomplishing what they set out to accomplish. They're not getting that final result that they've been seeking to achieve that is actually destructive to them in the process, right? They're totally mutilating their body and it's irreversible. I think that's something that you don't hear enough in you know, mainstream media today. This stuff, you can't go back. And I think that young kids, especially when they transition at a young age or prepubescent age, what have you, they're reaching adulthood. They feel incredibly unstable. I mean, imagine how awful you would feel if you were pumped full of chemical hormones that were foreign to your body. It has to be just so awful, so confusing. And I think that we're seeing that in manifest itself in violence across the country, too. You look at the shooter 
in Nashville. These people are hurting. They need help. And we're unfortunately treating their mental illness as something that should be encouraged. We should, the left is saying we should tell them to go even further. And I think that that is an ideology that is really detrimental to our kind of national identity in the way that we care for our citizens. Because if we truly are to care for our neighbor, right, and to want communities um, where everyone is growing and flourishing and succeeding, we should want the best for our neighbor. And the best for our neighbor is not to, you know, contribute to this gender dysphoria that they have. It's to correct them and to, and to put them on a path that will not lead to the mutilation of their body. Of course. And I want to ask you why you think there's this focus on the younger children with this issue, because I imagine it's pretty rare to have someone like a Bruce Jenner want to be a Caitlyn Jenner, for example, at an older age. And um, because, you know, you've gone through your whole life. And so I think that's just that's pretty unusual. But now we're seeing so many of Gen Z claiming to be LGBTQ plus and claiming to have this gender dysphoria, have these issues, uh, make these make these choices that they, they really shouldn't be making. Um, so why do you think the left is focusing on kids so much, even from such a young age where they're prepubescent and they're reading these inappropriate books, things like that, but also seeing things probably on social media, hearing things from teachers who are woke themselves? Um, it's kind of become like cool to be a confused person. I know all these celebrities, like, um, who would that be? I guess Harry Styles poses in the dress and the feminine outfits. And you have other people like Ellen Page, who becomes Elliot Page, um, the actress from Juno. And so it's just very, probably confusing for a lot of younger kids. And we can't really expect them to have adult, you know, decision making at, at such a, such, at, su at such a young age. So What's kind of your thought on why the left focuses so much on such young kids? I mean, listen, I think it's an important question, and I'll give you an important, uh, a simple, uh, kind of easy to understand answer. Those who cannot reproduce recruit, right? Fundamentally, that is the bottom line here. Because the LGBTQ movement, much of its members cannot procreate what they're doing to kind of increase their ranks and to, you know, find others like them and build community as they're recruiting, and they're doing that at a young age, they're seeing, you know, children across this country, whether they're in schools, whether they're watching, you know, Disney shows, and they're kind of placing different ideological touch points in what these children are consuming um, to encourage them to embrace this LGBTQ um, cult. They're encouraging them to, you know, explore their gender, to cut off their genitals, to inject themselves with chemically castrating hormones. And why they're doing that is to grow their movement, to grow their ranks, right? They want a society where LGBTQ plus whatever people are more accepted. So they, they see kind of more numbers as a way to reach that end, unfortunately. Um, and they're exploiting our children in the process. So, you know, I think that we really need to stand up and protect ourselves and our kids against this kind of stuff, whether that's, you know, getting rid of books that are inappropriate in our schools, um, whether that is, you know, attacking places like Disney that host events that, you know, confuse our children um, and encourage this kind of radical ideology. But at the end of the day, too, I would just say that, you know, this is a movement that is 
anti-traditional, right? I try to remind myself that every single American who has come before me would find this movement absolutely insane and ludicrous and they would condemn it. So we should be just as aggressive in our efforts to stop this because we're seeing it explode. One in five Gen Z Americans are now saying that they identify as, you know, gender fluid. This is record numbers. We've never seen anything like this. So, you know, it's not natural, right? The kind of born this way philosophy that we've seen come out of the LGBTQ movement um, has turned out to be totally false. What we're seeing is grooming. And we're seeing that, you know, like I said, in schools, and we have to make sure that we're vigilant, right? Parents have to be involved because so much of this is going on behind closed doors. Teachers have even, and the Biden administration has said, you know, your children don't belong to you. They belong to your teachers they belong to the government. They really want to keep this under wraps. So all of our parents have to stay active in kids' lives, ask what they were learning at school, you know, at the dinner table, and just make sure that you're coaching their school teams and you're just involved in day-to-day activities because this stuff, if you let it go unnoticed, you could have a child that makes decisions that they'll regret later in life and unfortunately can't undo. Yes, of course. And I think the most disturbing is when I see news stories and videos or even just people around who are the parents themselves who are making the children trans or making the children woke. Because, of course, if you're the parent, you have so much influence over your kids. If you're telling them things every day and you're dressing them and all those things, then you influence them so much. So uh, recently, Megan Fox was pictured with her three sons who are all, you know, different ages and all of them were basically dressed like women, um, like, like girls. And, um, I think it was, it was sad, but, but the whole kind of, the more you kind of dive into the story, the more you realize how just demonic it is. But basically after that, um, someone named Robbie Starbuck who ran for Congress called her out, said that he had known her in Hollywood and saw this grooming happen with the older two kids. And um, I think he said he wasn't sure about the third one, but basically she ended up responding. And then she actually uh, responded with this, um, this story where basically these two women are naked eating deer and this was caught on a video and these people are kind of seen as like witches. So she was saying like, you messed with the wrong witch to him by attaching herself to kind of these, uh, cults, cultists caught on a camera. Um, really random example for her to bring into this, but she is known for drinking blood. She's very into BDSM. She's, uh, very into a lot of these like dark things. And so I think a lot of people look at that and think, wow, this is satanic because you're saying you're, you're bringing witchcraft into this conversation, but then also see what she's doing to her sons. Um, so I think a lot of this is, is just so evil. But when you see parents who maybe they're not to the level of Megan Fox, but grooming their own kids, why do you think those people are, are doing that? Because it's just them. I mean, they themselves, I assume are not trans, but must have some other demonic issue. 
I mean, yeah, let's call it what it is. It's child abuse. And I'll never understand how a parent could, you know, inflict that kind of pain and confusion on their own child. But we're seeing it happen. And I think, you know, examples like Megan Fox are important because a lot of these individuals that are really pushing for this are Hollywood stars. They're using their platforms to kind of further the LGBTQ agenda. Um, I think Demi Lovato is a good example of that as well. She just came out today and said that she no longer wants to use they, them program pronouns. Um, so I think what a lot of these people in Hollywood, at least, are engaging in is a fad in many ways, right? It's become trendy to be a victim. It's become trendy to be oppressed. Everyone wants to belong to a group, you know, that they think is kind of outside uh, what culture would allow or they want to be, you know, rebels or things of that nature. And I think that's always been very normal for Hollywood. But the rate at which the LGBTQ agenda has become so accepted and celebrated by major institutions in this country, you know, all of our corporations right now are showing pride flags in their stores. Um, you see it everywhere on TV. It's promoted basically Everywhere you look, I feel like especially this month, I can't turn anywhere or get any sort of, you know, marketing related email that doesn't say we stand with our, you know, LGBTQ or they have the rainbow flag, what have you. Right. So I think these stars are really wrong in many ways. What's kind of become countercultural, ironically now, is to be traditional, right, to want to subscribe to gender roles that are traditional and have really just lived the test of time, right? I mean, people look at me as a young person when I say that my chief goal in life is to get married and have lots of kids. They look at me like I have three heads, right? They think that's crazy because that's something that has become so sadly abnormal today. So I think, again, we just need to remind ourselves that the way this country has functioned is on the back of the family unit. The traditional family unit needs to be protected because it, because it is the structure that is most conducive to societal flourishing. We've seen that, you know, all across the Western world. And I think that, you know, when these kind of communist regimes come apart, they always try to tear apart the family because it is one of the most powerful things that we have on our side. So as conservatives, we need to make sure that we're protecting that first and foremost. It has to come before everything else we do. Um, we have to put American families first and give parents the tools to protect their children against this radical stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, you're seeing a lot of social media. You talked earlier about how I work in social media. That has been a really powerful grooming tool for a lot of these stars and just the movement in general, right? We saw Instagram. It came out recently that a lot of pedophilia activity was going on through Instagram, and that's how mm -hmm. these criminals were contacting children. So we really need to make sure that we're also holding our big tech platforms accountable because they have let this stuff run rampant for far too long. And we need to ensure that you know, we're fighting back against them because they in many ways have become the modern town square, right? It's, you know, no longer your community or, you know, just kind of your library or your gym where you're hearing different ideas. Now it's it's through the internet and it's looking on screens. Um, and we need to make sure that we're really limiting what our children are able to view. Um, and there have been, you know, conservatives seeking to pass legislation to do just that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's crazy the idea of giving your child access to anything 
on the internet or social media when they're young. It's, it's crazy without some kind of monitoring there. So I think we definitely have to be aware of all the crazy stuff that goes on on social media, um, especially for minors. But before we go, I want to ask you a little bit about the crisis of masculinity, because I think a big part of this is also the fact that we don't have as many strong men as we used to in our society. We don't have um, as many fathers in the home or, you know, kind of influencing kids. Um, Cause I think traditionally, um, you know, men are probably the ones who would have looked at these issues, which are a lot of the time, sometimes emotional crises and brought some kind of level of reason and control to the situation. Um, so I think having men is, is very important. And a lot of men are really discouraged from being men. It's like if they act in a way that's masculine or, um, like want to be leaders, even they're kind of shamed as if women should be the only ones who are leaders. Women should be the only ones who, you know, make decisions about important things and all of this. And and of course, you know, women have, have their own views too, but I think this shaming of men and young boys, a lot of young boys in school are basically treated like they're evil if they want to play with a lightsaber or something like that. I was reading this story recently where this mom like wrote into Slate. Slate is like super liberal outlet and they were taking advice. So she writes to Slate to get advice from them. And she's like, I'm a progressive mom and I'm really concerned because my son, who's like five years old, all he wants to do is play with like toy guns and swords and I'm against guns. So this is so problematic. I, I can't let him engage with other kids in the school anymore because he's encouraging violence, even though she said he didn't hurt anyone. So I, I think the, the parents are warped because they're like, this is how normal little boys are. And they don't realize that. And then maybe they don't have dads who are like, no, this is totally normal. So how do you think, um, we should respond when men are basically being shamed and told not to really be men anymore. Right. No, and I think the fatherlessness point is great. That is an epidemic that this country is definitely facing. Um, you know, there are statistics out there that say more than one in four American children today do not have a father in the home. I mean, that is just shocking. That is a crazy number, unlike, you know, the which we have ever seen before. So I think that that needs to be a priority. We need to have men in the household. Like I said earlier, you know, the family unit is really most conducive to societal flourishing. So that structure is one that has stood the test of time and one that we need to encourage and protect because luckily we know it works, right? We're not out here looking for a solution to the problem. We have the solution. Unfortunately, the problem has become modernity's rejection of kind of how this country has existed and the West has existed for millennia. But to your point about young men feeling frustrated, I think they have every right to be. You know, modern culture today tells them that if they in any way exhibit um, traits that are masculine, it's toxic, right? They tell them if they try to make a move on a woman or, you know, ask a woman out, they are being creepy, they're going to get me too'd, right? So I think our men feel so constrained by the barriers that feminine women, you know, liberals especially have put on them. They don't feel like they can truly be themselves. Um, so a lot of them just kind of shut down. They just kind of say, well, I'm not going to ask any girls out, right? Because I don't want to be me too'd. 
or I'm not going to, you know, do what Daniel Penny did on that subway because I could get sued and people could talk about how I was just exhibiting my toxic white masculinity, right? The kind of slanderous terms that the left throws out when men are just truly, you know, doing what they've been designed to do as protectors. And like you said, as people who provide clarity in a lot of situations and level headedness, the terms that they throw at these men are just disgusting. And we need to let men in many ways just really reach their God-given talents and prescriptions for how to act, right? Because when we don't do that, they're just going to kind of resign themselves from society. And I, I do want to say, too, you know, it's not just men. The, bu the buck doesn't stop with them. I think we've really seen a crisis of femininity in this country as well. We see girls, you know, that are now engaged in activities like OnlyFans. Um, they're not respecting their bodies. Uh, they're not putting motherhood first, right? So many young women today are told that they need to be a cog in a corporate machine to find happiness. And that if they, you know, want to have children or want to be a homemaker, uh, that that is something that's antiquated and won't make them happy. I mean, all of that stuff is just totally false. So I think, you know, the onus really is on women to welcome masculinity back into popular culture and to celebrate it because traditional gender roles are, you know, not just something that we pulled out of thin air. They're something that is very unique to a woman and a man's biology, right? I mean, females are much more communicative. We have things in our brain that literally use language more than men do, right? So there are things that God gave each of us to be able to kind of fill and carry out these roles that he's designed. And we just need to make sure that as Americans, we're making room for that. We're making space for that, especially with our young children, as you so, so well point out, um, because our young boys are really just being left behind, especially in an education system that's been so feminized, right? These kids are basically sitting all day long. That's not how young boys, you know, learn. I have a brother who's 10 years younger than me. I, I'd be the first to tell you, you know, they have a little bit of ADHD, right? They need to be up. They need to be playing. Recess is super important. Unfortunately, a lot of schools have totally destroyed that and just gotten rid of it. Um, so we need to make sure, too, that our schooling and our education system is really equipping boys to succeed because what we're seeing right now in colleges is just total female dominance. Only 41% of the student population in post-secondary schools right now are men. So that, I mean, that's a shocking number, right? That's way less than half. So we're seeing females really just dominate at these levels because the education system is so kind of tailored to them. So I think mm -hmm. that, you know, we need to take a look at how we do a lot of these things, a, lo a look at our institutions and just reform them to make sure that we're celebrating, you know, both what makes men uniquely men and what makes women uniquely women. Yes, of course. Well, Kingsley, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. All righty. And uh, Mark sent me a link to something I haven't seen in a long time, but I love it. So I'm going to play that here um me this is something that definitely needs to uh, be streamed uh, come on do, 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 do. Um, hmm. where did it go that's weird nope that's not it Strange. 
Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Good grief. Could have swore I had that thing right here and it just disappeared on me. I don't know where it went. Let's just click the link again. Good grief. <laughs> Here, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There. Well, this goofy thing. It disappeared again. There it is. All right. Now, <laughs> sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Oh, goodness. You'll get a kick out of this if you've never seen it. It's Tim Hawkins, who's a uh, Christian singer. Really pretty good. right place why i'll tell you why who can take your money
Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years, but I loved it <laughs> every time I hear it. Guy is good. And Tim Hawkins, is a, he's been around for years and years and years and years and has lots and lots of great stuff. Um, oh, he did some pandemic songs. I got it. Let's, let's just for the fun of it. That song in this church. <laughs> Turning your head notes to him 238 back in black in the first, second, and fourth verse. You came back. Hey. Welcome back. Well, I tell you what, the second half of the show is not as long, and we're just gonna just it's just a hangout time. We're gonna do some music, just have a little fun. Is that cool? Can we do that? Sweet, I'll get started here on a couple of songs here real quick. This is a song I wrote called Getting Out of Prison. Jingles we've heard all our life. They're never going. And I could prove that. Like, uh, I'll throw out some jingles and you finish them for me, all right? Like if I said, uh, Frosted Lucky Charms. One for one. <laughs> liberty, liberty, liberty. Liberty. <laughs> two for two. 800 to 300. harmonizing over here. <laughs> For a great little way you can get online. <laughs> Ephesians 8.11. Doesn't exist. That is so embarrassing. You know what's worse? There is no Ephesians 8.11. That is so sad. People said, Tim, you're going to write some pandemic songs, songs about the pandemic, right? Right? No, I don't have to. And you could just use songs that are already there that would work for the pandemic, you know, like uh, like the, the police song you do. Don't stand, don't stand so, don't stand so close to me. For Tom Petty. Don't cough around here no more. Don't cough around here no more. 
then we need to laugh every once in a while <laughs> tim hawkins i have i forgot about that dude <laughs> thanks for reminding me mark <laughs> oh i've been i every about once a year or something i'll come across something he did and just laugh my head off and the nice thing is the guy's clean he's christian and uh you, know, you don't have to worry about bleeping things. I'm not going to have to go through and edit for you know anything with uh, Tim Hawkins. That's a good deal. But, you know, back to seriousness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, there we go. Oop. Oop. My screen's going crazy. Oh. There was some other stuff. Another fertilizer plant burns down in texas hmm american plant food corporation fertilizer plant and the uh, local media reports state is vital to the local community in and around austin texas is burned to the ground making it the latest in a long line of food related businesses that have mysteriously caught fire and collapsed into a ruinous heap over the past couple of years all part of the global agenda to destroy the food system and starve people to death american plant food corporation in bartlett texas near round rock reportedly caught fire around 8 30 p.m on august 20th which is when the bartlett county or bartlett volunteer fire department received a phone a call to come put it out at 9901 north highway 95 According to the fire chief, Stephen Wentrick, uh, crews arrived at the scene to find the facility fully engulfed in flames. The fire was so severe that the Bartlett's Volunteer Fire Department sought help from numerous other departments in surrounding areas. 
Firefighters initially worked to contain a six-acre grass fire that ignited as a result of the fire from the plant. Then, after that was put out, fire crews let the facility itself finish burning out overnight, after which it was finally contained. <laughs> yeah, once the fire went out, they contained it. <laughs> yeah, we used to call firemen basement savers. Like firemen, but, uh, you know, always, you know, the big thing in police work was if you wanted to be loved, should have been a fireman. <laughs> he can come in and destroy your house, and people will love him for it. And you can always count on to totally screw up traffic at anything they show up at. Guaranteed. Anyway, because of the voluminous hazardous uh, and highly flammable chemicals at the plant, firefighters decided it was best to not to try to extinguish the flames with water, as they typically would for other fire types of fires. Hazard crews were on site all night, including Temple, who was monitoring overnight until Round Rock hazard crews came to relieve them. The other fire agencies that helped deal with the fire included Holland, Granger, Hutto, Gerald, and Georgetown. Man, they must have had a whole bunch of them there. Anyway, not going to belabor that, but yep, they're still at it. Well, we hadn't had a fertilizer fire in a while. Let's have one of those. <laughs> and of course, pro-pedophilia group floats the idea of having body exploration rooms in German daycare centers for children. Daycare centers. These are kids that aren't even old enough to go to kindergarten, and they're going to have body exploration rooms. You can just imagine what that's going to entail. And there was another one. I think it was in this feed. Let me see if I can find it here. It was pretty disgusting. Um, man. Keep looking, 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 looking. Hmm. Another one. Demonic radio station in Germany promotes pedophilia sympathizes with how predators constantly have to fight their urges. Take them out, put one in the back of their head. Urges will be solved. Beware, USDA allows genetically engineered vaccines to infiltrate organic food production. Organic food. Not just your regular stuff, but so-called organic stuff. People think the Federal Death Administration and the U.S. Department of... i got to figure out what that should be. U.S. Department of AAA. Hmm. don't like agriculture. Anyway, we'll think about that. But they're uh, allowing this kind of garbage to go on to poison Americans just in yet another way. Oh, man. Where did that thing go? Basically, it was a... Uh, story about a trans coach changing in the locker room with the players and i don't know where it went let's take a look over here uh trans training oh shoot Got too many different feeds open. Cyclist. Come on, come on, come on. Ah, there it is. 
Transgender coach changes in locker room with shocked Pennsylvania high school students. And a little sign on the uh, door is a half man, half woman stick figure. And underneath it says, whichever. A gender neutral sign is posted outside of bathrooms at Oval Park Grill in Durham, North Carolina, May 11th, 2016. Oh, good grief. Incidents involving a transgender part-time high school tennis coach in Pennsylvania have made some students and parents uncomfortable. And now the school board is divided on whether to renew a coach's contract. Employment or employed at Gettysburg Area School District, the coach was hired as David Yates. Mr. Yates now goes by the name Sasha Yates. Imagine that. And publicly identifies as a transgender woman. In other words, he's still a dude. According to the Gettysburg Times, Mr. Yates has been a seasonal boys and girls tennis coach since 2018. Sports news coverage of the Gettysburg tennis team used the name David Yates in 2021, but in 2022, the coach was being called Sasha Yates. The school district's website lists an email address using the name Sasha, but click on the email address and the name David appears. Mr. Yates did not respond to a request for comment on the story. (laughs) Of course he didn't. After incidents involving students in one of the in uh, fall of 2022 and another in the spring of 2023, the school board had decided not to rehire Mr. Yates for yet another season. However, no replacement was hired, and the surprise of some board members in July, the name David Yates reappeared on the hiring list for another season of tennis coaching. A vote on August 7th to rehire or not rehire was deadlocked at 3-3, to which means three people on the school board need to go, with one person abstaining. <laughs> they should, too. They will vote again on Monday, August 21st, in what promises to be a packed school board meeting. (laughs) You think? A social media storm has erupted under the assumption that those voting to not hire, or to uh, not to rehire, are acting simply because Mr. Yates' transgender identity. Probably. (laughs) But there's more to the story. Revealing the risk with America's transgender soldiers, Darlene Sanchez on the serious side effects, and we already talked about that and played that clip. Anyway, you're a man. In the fall of 2022, the tennis coach entered the girls' locker room, where the girls' soccer team was changing. Mr. Yates changed his clothing, too, stripping down to bra and panties. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I always do that. (laughs) A school board member familiar with the situation told the Epoch Times... I'll say Ebok because apparently that's how they pronounce it. I like Epic. But anyway, adding that students reported that it was was clear from what they saw that Mr. Yates was still fully a man. Hmm. Two school board members have students on the soccer team, and at least one of their students was present when this occurred. The board member said, at that, at that time, the school board decided not to rehire Mr. Yates. <laughs> but when the same Sasha Yates was used the next year, uh, next uh, in the next round of coach hirings, not everyone on the board recognized this as the same person. 
During an April 12th softball game at Gettysburg Area High School, Steve Carbaugh's 16-year-old daughter went to use the girls' bathroom. Mr. Yates soon followed, and the student found herself alone in the bathroom with the tennis coach. She told her father that Mr. Yates tried to strike up a conversation. The student texted her softball coach from the bathroom as it happened. Mr. Carbaugh told the Epoch Times, Michelle, this blank tennis coach was just walked into the girls' room. Uh, the, the text she made to her uh, softball coach said, like blank expletive, you're a expletive man. <laughs> when Mr. Carbaugh's daughter told him what happened, he questioned her. He should have pounded the dog into the dirt. I asked her if anything transpired or happened. You know, uh, did he try anything? The fact that he was in there was enough. Did he expose himself or anything? She said no. She said he tried to hold a conversation with me. Then I walked out, Mr. Carbaugh said. His daughter told him uh, she was very, very uncomfortable. I would think so. He contact contacted the school to see where they were going, what they were going to do about it. Yeah, guy should have just disappeared off the face of the earth. As far as I was concerned, they can't protect my child while in their custody at this point. It's not about hate. While speaking with uh, school officials about the bathroom incident, Mr. Carbaugh recalls those officials telling him that Mr. Yates had already been reprimanded for another incident in a locker room. Mr. Carbaugh also states that he was told in April that Mr. Yates would not be rehired for another season of coaching, so he dropped the matter. That is until Mr. Yates ended up on the list of coaches again. Now, everybody in this area seems to be crying that, this is, that it is hate, that nobody wants this guy back because he's transgender and it's hate. This has absolutely nothing to do with hate on my part. I don't care what the guy wants to call himself, Mr. Carbaugh said. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. My job as a parent is to protect my child, and he had no business going into that bathroom, and his actions provide or prove that he cannot be trusted. He went into a girl's locker room and changed while the girl's varsity team was in there. They talked about it. They talked to him about it, and he went into the girl's restroom facility. <laughs> when is enough enough? Mr. Carbaugh asked. Mr. Carbaugh added he is not being penalized because of what he calls himself. He needs to be penalized because of his actions and the fact that he can't follow directions. This is a grown man going into a bathroom with juvenile female. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. Remember the brain-dead tranny video I played several times in the past? By golly, I can carry a gun, and if you try and stop me from going into the women's restroom, I consider that a threat, and I can take action. Yeah. Some on the school board wanted to fire Mr. Yates after the bathroom incident, as well they should have. But a solicitor convinced them that, with just a few tennis matches left in the season, it would be better to wait. Oh, yeah, maybe he can uh, diddle a girl in the locker room in the meantime. And just not rehire Mr. Yates for the following season. He should be terminated with ultimate and utmost prejudice. The concern was firing over the bathroom incident could position the board to be sued. That's just unbelievable, a school board member told Epoch Times.
oh yeah, the guy's a criminal, <laughs> and he might sue us. Take your chances. Do the right thing. But now that the new season is here, the solicitor has made the same warning, urging the board to rehire Mr. Yates to avoid the risk of litigation. Oh, they're just discriminating against me because I want to go in the girls' locker room. The board is asked uh, to see paperwork surrounding the locker room and bathroom incidents, ideally before Monday's vote. After the bathroom incident, the school gave Mr. Yates permission to use the official's locker room, which is used by referees and was told not to go into the girls' locker room or restroom, a school board member opined. The day he came out as being trans, the school district should have sat him down and uh, sat down with him and said, here are the boundaries, a school board member said. The Epoch Times asked the Gettysburg Area School Superintendent to comment on the story. District Communications Coordinator Becky Leathery responded Monday that the district is unable to comment publicly on matters related to personnel. <laughs> of course, they're not worried about being sued over that. <laughs> Oh, good grief. Oh, and here we go. Pennsylvania School Board makes no decision on transgender tennis coach. And this is today. Good grief. Tennis coach, another, boy, this is this dude's right up there with, um, oh, what's his chops? Uh, the dude, uh, assistant director of health and human services or whatever it is, uh, uh, I can't even remember. I always try and forget his name. But look at this picture. This is the guy. That's Sasha Yates. <laughs> Good grief. Surrounded by supporters who attended the Gettysburg Area School District board meeting in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania on August 21st. And yeah, the supporters are almost as ugly as he is. <laughs> The Board of Gettysburg Area School District in Pennsylvania has planned, had planned to vote on whether to renew con a contract of a transgender tennis coach, David Sasha Yates, on Monday night, but instead voted to remove the, uh, remove the decision from the agenda. It's unclear if the board will put Mr. Yates back on the agenda in the future. The board heard comments from the public in front of more than 150 people, including LGBT activists. Oh, you can bet they were trying to fill the room. Team member, uh, tennis team members, parents, and moms for Liberty Group. Of the nearly 30 people who spoke, only four asked the board to re not uh, board not to reinstate Mr. Yates. Hmm. So 30 people, probably all LGBT people, were there trying to get him reinstated. Good grief. Most offered passionate pleas to rehire Mr. Yates with several indications that this is a life-or-death issue. The risk of suicide in transgender youth was mentioned numerous times. What's that got to do with a queer coach? Coach Yates is one of the few people who got me through the high school experience, former student Chelsea Zimmerman or Zimmon said. At practice, I was encouraged to be myself and work through my problems. I wonder what Chelsea's real name is. Probably Charles. And to figure out who I truly was, she was one of the most important, he is one of the most important people that have happened to me in my life. And without him, I may not be standing here today. Hired as David Yates in 2018, Mr. Yates, who earned $2,682 per year, 
coaching boys and girls high school tennis, started dressing as a woman, and had changed to Sasha by Yates by 2022. How the gender industry has parasited, uh, parasitized people's emotions. Okay, let's listen to this one. By the time this hits the the whole thing, there's a sort of almost a religious fervor that they're up against. Alistair Gunn, also known by his pen name Angus Fox, is a vice director at Genspec, an organization seeking to broaden the treatment options available for people questioning their gender beyond so-called gender-affirming care. They receive this script from their friends. So when they say, I'm at risk of suicide, this is something they've learned from their friends. Now, we've actually no evidence of that. Alistair Gunn helped inspire parents to share their stories in the new book, Parents with Inconvenient Truths About Trance, Tales from the Home Front and the Fight to Save Our Kids. It's parasitized people's emotions, and it's managed to remain as though it's some very respectable, normal field of medicine, as though it's knee replacement or orthodontics or something, and it's not. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kellek. Alistair Gunn, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted. Or should I say Angus Fox? You can say either, and my Twitter handle is a sort of portmanteau of the two that got mashed together as well. So there's three options for you. Well, and, and, and I should mention that because you have written, you know, in Quillette and in other places under the pseudonym Angus Fox in the past. And this is actually something very interesting. So I'm, I'll, I'll just give people a bit of a preview here. Um, I read of the bulk of the book uh, by parents with inconvenient truths about trans, a whole series of essays. I think it's 75 essays by parents who are somehow in the midst of this issue. And basically all of them are doing it anonymously. And now we have you, you're come, you're, you've, you've been sort of nominated uh, to, to speak about this whole thing, but you're not a parent yourself. So how did you get into this and how is it that you got the trust of all these parents who are, you know, from everything I've read, in an incredibly precarious situation? Well, have you ever slipped and fallen and thought, oh, here I go and I'm going down. That happened to me this morning by chance. And honestly, I fell into this uh, backwards in a sort of way. I didn't expect any of this to happen. I came across a video of very, as you say, anonymous. She wasn't in a video. It was an asymmetrical interview where the interviewer was seen and she was not seen. And it was a mother who was simply describing what had happened to her daughter who had decided to start identifying as male and it was extraordinary and I had no idea I'd never even heard of a woman having a sex change I I thought that wasn't a thing Um, much less a teenager and my first reaction was I I felt terribly sorry for her because she was obviously a very you know, normal, decent person who'd been hit by something. And my second reaction was, I happened to be gay, and my second reaction was, we're going to be blamed for this. Because LGBT is everywhere. There's very much this sense of including transsexual and and trans people, which honestly I'd never really thought in any depth about. So I reached out to a group of similar parents. I joined a message board which had parents who were similarly experiencing this very strange new phenomenon of an adolescent child developing overnight, seemingly a transgender identity. 
and eventually they were quite skeptical because this is a community which at the time was very much under attack and still is but it's changed they wish to protect their identities mainly because they wish to protect their children they think their kids are going to grow out of this and they don't want them to have this follow them for the rest of their lives they want them to be able to leave this behind largely i think if it weren't for that most of them would be public they've been attacked by activists who decry them as transphobic and so it took a long time for them to trust me um, but they did in the end and they let me into a meeting and i heard their stories um, and I decided to write them up. So we started something together. It was a very strange moment, but it helped because these parents feel very helpless. They feel ostracized, they feel attacked by society and they need to do something to give themselves some kind of belief that they can resolve their situation for the better. Well, and if there's anything we've learned over the last however many years is how powerful that uh, fear of ostracism is in affecting uh, human behavior. Let, let me jump into this. You're just making me think about it. There's a certain kind of, when you, I, I read, I think, uh, over 60 of, of these essays. And one of the themes that, that, that comes out is that there is a kind of almost like a standard playbook that these kids get pulled into, where they already know the ants, they, they know what they need to say, to, and then the, I guess in some cases it's therapists, in some cases it's guidance counselors respond in a particular way. It's like this sort of extensive, almost like coaching exercise to the point where the parents realized at some point that the kids are basically all saying almost exactly the same thing wrote. And, and so, so how, how did this happen? Well, yes, yeah, so we call that the script. And I think from a parent's point of view, hearing the script, which you've, which is written on Reddit and Tumblr and uh, Discord in particular, those three platforms, but other platforms as well. Now, in a way, these are just platforms, right? These are just, the, it could be WhatsApp, it could be just your mobile phone, but the, this is the means that these kids are communicating. So it's a generational challenge because people my generation wouldn't necessarily use Discord, for example. To, so they, we're in very different spaces. And they receive this script from their friends. And I think the best way to think about this script is, it's like if your child found a poem that resonated the feeling is probably real, but the information in it is not real. So when they say, I'm at risk of suicide, this is something they've learned from their friends. Now, we've actually no evidence of that. It, it's a very complicated and thorny issue, but there's no evidence of that. They tell one another and they believe it, that they're at great risk of suicide if they don't transition. And I could introduce you to detransitioners who would tell you, I really believed that about myself. I believed if I didn't transition, I would be at risk of suicide. Well, and the, the, the complicating element, of course, also is, is that you, if you come to believe that, that probably makes it more true at the very least, right? So, Well, it may make certain types of behavior more true, and then those certain types of behavior could, in theory, put you at risk. And it's true to say that there is some elevated suicidality among young people who question their gender. It's also true to say that there's elevated suicidality, according to one study, actually, to a higher degree 
among bisexuals. So, you know, it, it, now we don't take all bisexuals and say, right, we must rush you to a doctor. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be discussion of these things, but that's not necessarily a medical issue. And it's certainly not evidence of a bodily problem, a physiological problem. So these young people present with this script and they read this script. And in a sense, it's kind of outlining the way that they feel. And they could feel that way for many reasons. But the information is very often false. Um, and it's taken from elsewhere. And so by the time the kind of parents who are writing and talking about their experiences in, in Pitt and who've joined Genspect, very often by the time that this that their child actually presents this to them, the reality is that for six months or more, they've been identifying as a member of the opposite sex online. They've been sharing information with people who've been encouraging them to see themselves as transgender, who've been telling them that doubt is transphobic. They're very often told the only people who doubt they're trans are trans people. Which, when you think about it, is a cognitive sinkhole, because by the, as soon as you think, right, well, am I trans? It's like the ground's gone beneath you and you're trans. Um, there's, in fact, a website called Am I Trans? And if you go there, it's just the word yes. Um, so they're existing in this kind of community, which is quite different from what their parents expect. So by the time this hits the parents, it's there's a sort of almost a religious fervor that they're up against, that they don't realize how far this is. I'm going to stop it there because it's a 40 some minute video and obviously we don't have enough time for it, but uh, this guy's making sense. And we saw a lot of it uh, played out in the video yesterday where, you know, the girl wasn't getting the support at home because the mom was like, there's nothing wrong. You're just depressed. And of course, then her friend and her mother, nut job, jump in and try to be the surrogate family for her and provide all that support and then of course all the the proper things to say and on we go and the next thing you know she steps in front of a train anyway controversy over mr yates's uh, part-time employment as a high school tennis coach came after several incidents came to light including using the girls bathroom where a 16 year old female student was made to feel uncomfortable and also disrobing in front of the girls soccer team in the students locker room it is unclear why the tennis coach was changing with the soccer team. Several school board members had daughters changing in the locker room in the fall of 2022 when Mr. Yates disrobed there. Mr. Yates was reprimanded for the locker room incident, wearing a purple mini dress, denim jacket, and cowboy boots on Monday night. Mr. Yates frequently flicked the hair from his long blonde wig out of his face while sitting in front row of the board meeting surrounded by supporters several speakers threatened that the board was likely to face lawsuits if they did not rehire mr yates they should say hey no problem please be aware that sex as a protected class explicitly includes sex assigned at birth and gender identity janelle wurtzberger a f member of the gettysburg human relations commission told the board not renewing coach yates contract will open the district up to expensive lawsuits which will ultimately be borne by the taxpayers 
But beyond consideration and uh, considering this decision from the financial or legal perspective, it is morally abhorrent and negligent to suggest that any gender identity is anything less than acceptable. Our LGBT plus students are hyper aware of the messages their community sends them. <laughs> Please bear in mind the increased risk of suicide. Oh, here we go again and how much higher that risk is to the LGBT plus students. By not rehiring Mr. Yates, Ms. Wurzberger said, the board would be sending the message that these, those students are not worthy. <clears throat> Good grief. And the caption on this, because you can't see it, uh, Gettysburg Area School District Board Member Michelle Smyers listens uh, to speakers at the, dis the school board meeting in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Well, she might be listening. She might be doodling on her notepad there. You never know. <laughs> anyway, the board spoke about the issue in executive session and had decided not to rehire the coach. But this year, Mr. Yates' name appeared on the list of coaches that, as a matter of routine, needed board approval. question is, why was his name put back on there? The board discussed the situation, and board member Michelle Smyers requested copies of employment record for Mr. Yates, but the district refused to provide the board with the records. I would say they could refuse to fire him for, or keep him on for cause. He's sitting there going into women's restrooms and making women uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff, getting undressed in front of uh, girls. That should be grounds for termination, immediate termination. District lawyers told Ms. Uh, Smyers that uh, she could be held personally liable in a suit brought by Mr. Yates if we were to vote for his dismissal. Knock yourself. You can sue me all day long. <laughs> According to a letter PDF written by uh, attorney Wally Zimalong, a counsel for America First Legal, Mr. Smyers, uh, Ms. Smyers has a duty to be informed of the school district affairs. Ms. Smyers needs the information she has requested to make an informed decision concerning Yates's employment. Mr. Zimalong's letter, uh, August 16th letter to school board solicitor Lee Dalton said, he then cited Pennsylvania case law saying, saying Ms. Myers is not restricted to information furnished at a public meeting, but has the right to study, investigate, discuss, and argue problems and issues prior to the public meeting at which she may vote. But we understand the school district has refused to provide this critical information to Ms. Myers. Neither you nor any other representative of the school board gets to decide what information is available to Ms. Myers, Mr. Zimlong wrote. Ms. Myers is not an ordinary citizen that must request that information through the right-to-know process. By not providing Ms. Myers with the necessary information for her to fulfill her official duties, she is effectively removed from office. Yowzer. And professional boundaries. It's pretty long. I don't know what's McCall. We don't have time for the whole thing anyway, but there's a lot of people up here talking. Patrick Fleming speaks at the Gettysburg Area School Board meeting. Uh... Didn't say whether he's in favor or opposed. Gettysburg Borough Council member, an LGBT activist. Yeah, see, they get themselves elected. Chad Allen Carr speaks at the Gettysburg Area School District meeting, and you can bet he was in favor of rehiring this pervert. Hmm. Board voted on some unrelated issues and ended the meeting with no indication of what will happen next until a permanent coach is named 
other school board staffers are sharing coaching duties. That being said, we are out of time. Boy, I'll tell you what. Look at that dude. Good grief. Guy looks like that. Obviously can't pick up women any other way, so he's got to pretend to be one so he can thinks he can just walk into locker rooms. <laughs> no such luck. Anyway, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have Mike Gaddy, Cal Robbins, DW with us, and I'm not sure what we'll be talking about, but it'll be good. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for everybody being here. Take care, everybody, because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and God bless you.